illustrious King Julian, self-proclaimed Lord of the Lemurs, etc., etc. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the King Julian Podcast. I am your host, King Julian, as always. And with me today, um, I have my movie connoisseur, my friend, Brett Leisker. Brett, how are you doing today, Brett? Man, I'm, I'm good. I'm glad to be talking movies again with you, Julian. It's been too long, sir. Um, yeah. It's been too long. So, yeah, we're going to just dive right in. We're going to talk about movies today. Um, we were supposed to do this episode in the middle of the year. Things came up, so we are here back and at it. And... I think we talked about this before um, on a previous podcast before that you believed that 2020 was probably the worst year in film. <laughs> and now looking at it where it's it's late September, early October. Brett, I have to ask you now, is still 2020 the worst year for film? Is twenty twenty still the worst year? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I, so you really think that the movies that we've seen this year so far on twenty twenty one is better than some of the films you've seen in twenty twenty two? You don't have to go in like detail, but just preliminary conversations. You do you think that twenty twenty one was still better than twenty twenty? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think what you're you're looking at is just with twenty twenty. There was you know no real studio films like no there. You know certainly there was some you know, stuff sprinkled in throughout, you know, streamers keeping, keeping people, keep, uh, keeping eyes on, on TVs and such. But like, I think without the major studios wanting to release anything, it was just a real lackluster year. And then also too, like no, nobody knew kind of even kind of late then in the year, like how to release anything. So, um, you know, even looking at like the Oscars, I think, you know, I think a lot of those nominees and winners are now, kind of forgotten um or there or there are movies that i don't think people are going to be like returning to a whole lot um you know whereas i think potentially what you're going to have this oscar season is head the heavyweights there again and, and movies that people are going to be seeing you know throughout throughout time like i i don't know that anybody's like oh i can't wait to get through my fourth watch of no man land like that's just not <laughs> that's, that's not happening <laughs> I agree with that. I was gonna say as you're as you're talking about that, it's pretty interesting to me that I'm going through the Oscar season, and you're right. I'm 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 blanking on a lot of them. The only two that really come up to mind that I'm like, wow, I probably would I would rewatch one for sure. The other one I would have to debate on rewatching. Mank is definitely gonna be the movie that I'm I'm just gonna probably watch. Um, just I, I really enjoyed it. I need to see Gary Oldman's uh, performance again and just stamp approval on that. But the other one is, I think, my movie of the year so far, which was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And, you know, granted, you're right. I'm thinking about it and we can I'm look at the Oscar list in a moment. But you're right. Most of the movies that we saw last year weren't great. Like out of all the, I don't even know. So Paramount had their tentpole movie. We'll, we'll use quotations there for Sonic. Um, which yeah, and then Disney moved all their tempo movies from that from earlier that year to to this year, which was Black Widow, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, and then Warner Brothers didn't really have it. You're right, Warner Brothers didn't really have anything last year for a tempo film. So yeah, you're right. Everything was pushed to this year. So with that in mind, I'm just gonna just dive in. So I think 2021 was a mediocre year. 
not gonna lie, I thought it was okay. It wasn't something to be bragging about, but it was it was it was fine. I've had a couple of movies that I watched that I was really interested in, and I was pretty intrigued by some of them. So let me ask this first question for you, Brett. How many movies have you seen so far in the calendar year of 2021? And what I mean by calendar year, yeah, since January when the movie was released in January 1st of 2021, all down forward. What how many movies have you seen so far? If you have so, kept track of that in your letterbox. Of course I've kept track of that. So I'm at, I'm at 82 this year. And like, usually I like to be at like, like try to do about 10 a month. Um, so I'm, I'm a little behind um, kind of, kind of ideally where I'd like to be, but yeah, about 82 films so far this year. Okay. So I'm 10 films behind you. I'm at 72 and I'm, I'm trying to wrap up. I've, I've told myself 2021 is going to be the year I'm gonna watch a hundred. And so I'm coming with you. I'm being there with you, Brett. <laughs> and with that in mind, you as you've seen 82 films this year, let's start with some of your highlights. So what was your favorite film you've seen this year? It doesn't have to be the best, your number one movie of the year, but what was your favorite film so far this year? Yeah, so I mean, like, it was certainly interesting kind of like getting back into a theater and like finally like being with like a mass of people. So like early in that, like, early in what we were considering like the post pandemic it was nice to be able to get to a theater and watch a quiet place part two okay. um i dug the hell out of the first one i think it's it's a really great script a great idea in terms of kind of universe building and i thought too was just you know john krasinski just like doing doing more great set pieces um i think the kind of uh opening prologue to the film is you know maybe one of my favorite sequences of the year um and then favorite track shot for sure for sure yeah and then just the 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 two kids um millicent simmons and um noah jupe i you know they might be two of the best you know i'm, I'm gonna put quotations up uh, child actors out there right now um <laughs> so they were they were compelling as hell and yeah like i you know i i think that's a I think there's been some um, pushback a against A Quiet Place and kind of, you know, was this good or was it just, you know, of the moment? But for me, like, I, I dug the hell out of that one. Um, and then a recent one that I just saw at a Fantastic Fest, um, it was my most, what I think I had like number two or three for my most anticipated movies of 2021. And that's this movie, Tatane. It's a... Um, French genre film from the filmmaker that did Raw. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and essentially, it's a, a about a woman um, as a child. Uh, she gets into an accident and has to get a metal plate inserted into her, her brain or her skull. Um, that then fuses or uh, fuels a um, a desire for cars and kind of that culture. Um, okay. The, the movie was uh, the the Palme d'Or winner at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, shocked audiences there. And uh, since then, um, this Fantastic Fest had the North American premiere of it. Uh, it knocked my socks off. Um, there's sequences in there that your jaw is just on the floor, you're squirming, um, and it's it's always surprising. Um, and she, the filmmaker, um, I'm gonna, I'll just say her first name's Julia. Uh, it's a, it's a I don't know French how to say her last name. name, right? I can't say her yeah, last name. I'm um, not gonna try to butcher it. 
she she was there for the Q&A afterwards and it was just nice to see that like there's a lot of layers to uh to Tain. so it's something that comes out the first of october i highly recommend everybody seeing it but be prepared to be um perturbed <laughs> so to to brett's point and i was gonna ask this to you brett because um it's so weird and i guess i'm i'm five years removed so i can say this and i, I was telling uh yeah i was telling a friend of mine about this before um yeah five years prior to this i was in la being an acquisitions intern for fox focus features who does basically you know independent films one of my first movies that i was watching that paramount that paramount that universal wanted to get for focus features was raw and so mm. we watched raw um right before they went to can and so they gave us all and they were like is this worth us to go see in the theater like go see it in the premiere i can and i am squirming brett i am squirming <laughs> in my seat as i'm watching this in my office in the office in the cubicle and i'm saying this is the not most grotesque it's the most one of the most uncomfortable feelings i've had in a film in a while but it is so good and i'm i was glad to be able to watch that as the time that they were watching it during can so i would say She's one of those filmmakers I would be able to go and want to watch. But how I feel about Ari Aster is the same way I feel about Julia. Your movies are a lot. <laughs> They're a lot to take in. So I was going to yeah. say, is it as grotesque as Raw or? A hundred percent. I think, I, I think, I think she's, she's amped it up even more for Tatane. And she, she knows, she knows that she's doing it. Um, but I think it fuels the story that she wants to tell and the questions that she's trying to pose to the audience. Um, again, like it's, and the same thing with raw, like raw, you know, yeah. Like was having audience members pass out during it, but it's, it's still asking a bunch of interesting questions of the audience. It's not just a, a gore fest or like, you know, just trying to put on, put on a show for you. Like it's, it, it wants to get under your skin and themes under there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's yeah, uh, part of the reason I just, dug it so much um so yeah those two really stand out um you know like in in terms of like kind of the indie like i there, there's this one movie that i just absolutely loved i saw earlier this year again kind of like a it's like a like a social horror film but with no real like blood and guts or gore or, or anything it's called shiva baby are you familiar with this one at all? I've heard of it. I haven't went out of my way to look for it yet, but I have heard of it. So essentially just about this, this college student um, who uh, gets a sugar daddy. Um, and okay. uh, she, so she has a sugar daddy and, but you know, on the side, she's also a college student and then runs into her sugar daddy um, with all of her family and relatives. Um, at a wake, uh, or rather, or rather a shiva, <laughs> um, and it's it's just this super again like unnerving um, film from a first time filmmaker. Uh, the acting is incredible, but it's really just all about the tension that they're able to like elicit, and it's only like about 80, 85 minutes or so. So it's this really? real tight, okay. real real tight little film, um, and that's like one of those where like I you know I. I love list making and so like it's for me it's important to have like one of those like real tiny little like independent films in like my top 10 
And so like I have it at 10 this year and I don't think it'll ever leave the top 10. I'll just kind of keep moving stuff around it to keep it like okay. a 10 as this like, it's like sentimental, like this is, this is a filmmaker I want to keep an eye on. Okay. So Shiva Baby, where, do, where were you able to find it? Cause you know, as I mentioned, I'm trying to get to a hundred. I'm times I'm, I'm going to be honest with the audience members and I'm going to tell you, Brett, I'm tired of seeing these crappy Netflix movies and I'm, I'm I just <laughs> had it. So I need something better in my life. Uh, so I saw Shiva Baby in in a theater, um, ah, but look, looks like now it is streaming on HBO Max. Bet. All right. Have HBO Max. I could do that. So perfect. Thank <laughs> you for that. Now, I was going to say, which is pretty interesting that that's your independent um, favorite film of this year. And I, I don't know if you would agree with me with mine, but let's start with my quote unquote mainstream film of this year. My favorite one. I guess my favorite one of this year that I really enjoyed was uh, the Suicide Squad. I mean, I shouldn't have, I should have doubted James Gunn. I, I really shouldn't have doubted him, but the way he did this film and the way you could tell that he just deviated from the typical tropes that you would assume that he was going to do, try to bring it like what what Josh did with the 2017 Justice League. You would assume that James was going to try to bring exactly what he did with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and drop it into Suicide Squad, which in some cases he did. However, some of the great play, some of the grotesque violence as we were talking about that kind of made this movie a lot different than I thought it was going to be, specifically the first 10 minutes, how he just completely blew your expectations in the first 10 minutes yeah. of the film. And you're like, wow, all right, this is what we're going to be here. This is how we're going to stay. Cool. And so for me, that was probably... The most fun I've had in the theater in a while. I watched that. Yeah, I watched that in the theater and I just enjoyed every moment of it and I loved it. So that would be my first one. And mm -hmm. for my independent, I don't know if you would agree with me, but The Green Knight was actually really damn <laughs> captivating and I really yeah, enjoyed it. I loved The Green Knight mostly for the visuals and kind of the, the filmmaking skill at hand. Quite honestly, yes. I wish I was smarter and could like read into the <laughs> subtext of the movie or just like had more of a understanding of the Arthurian legend. Because um, certainly like Arthurian geeks, I'm sure just absolutely eat that movie up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was really like my first real entry into like seeing anything David Lowry does. And like, man, like that is adult filmmaking in the sense that like there is no handholding there's hardly any exposition to like tell you why you're heading this direction or who like who even the character is that like like there's hardly any character names in the movie um but yes. man it's just top level filmmaking so i definitely understand where you're coming from on that well for my point on that too i haven't really watched a david lowry film to be honest with you mm -hmm. the first film that i've watched of his and i'm not going to lie i kind of i kind of had a disdain for this movie was peace dragon the disney the disney okay. 20 14, 15 remake, whatever it was, or 2016. And so that was my first film that I saw of David and I didn't see anything else. And to give even backstory, I was, I, I knew of Dave Patel, like I've seen him in certain performances, but I never seen him in his big performance, which was, I want to say Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, it was Slumdog Millionaire. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw him in Chappie, I saw him in, you know, oh God, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but The Last Airbender, and I've seen him, <laughs> I'm like, okay, he could act. I'm just, I'm, I'm not too fond of it. When I say he did a phenomenal job as Godwin being King Arthur's nephew, it was so beautiful. And to your point, I used to be 
one of those Arthurian nerds way back when, when I was a kid, because I just love the idea that this dude got this sword and basically was just his whole, got the knight's table, did all of this, and like, reigned life. And it was just some really great, captivating, I call it, boy glory stories for me at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite stories was Garwin and the Green Knight back then. And this kind of really did give me something that was just very well done. Granted, it took some creative liberties, which I really enjoyed, but I feel like having that kind of film at your plate, doing with it with David Lowry, I wouldn't want it any other way. And like you said, the visuals, the performances all around, not even just from Patel, but everybody else around him, especially, um, oh, wow, I'm blanking on his name. Guy who we met before he goes sees the Green Knight. Uh, what's his actor's name? It's going to blow my mind. But anyways, before Joel, we, Joel Edgerton, there you go. How did I yeah, forget about Edgerton yeah. that quick? But yeah, how Joel Edgerton was just phenomenal as well. Everybody was just beautiful. This movie was fantastic. I will say though, as we're both talking about this, I do think it's a slow burn. If you're if and like you said, it's a very I call it a highbrow film. If you're not into <laughs> highbrow films, this is not for you. This is this is a really good film. I enjoyed it, but if you don't like highbrow indie films, this you could stay away from this one. But I definitely, definitely enjoyed the Green Knight. And so. With that in mind, I, I feel like we we haven't done this in a while. You and I haven't talked about these in a while. There's what I call guilty pleasures. There's yeah. these movies that's out here in 2021 where you're where you're sitting, or not even just 2021, in general, where you're saying, you know, this is probably above, this is not good, or it's above average, average at best, but I really enjoyed and entertained my, 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 my movie experiences with this film. Did you have any of those in terms of highlights for the, this year or no? Yeah, I mean, I, I the the two that like just screamed in my mind that like I I definitely started the the watch process on these like this is gonna suck this is just a chore I'm just I'm just logging something, um, <laughs> but it it was a uh, free guy and Cruella, um, man, uh, free guy just gave me gave me like kind of like I guess like the boyhood kind of like video game adaptation kind of thing that I've like always wanted of like, you know, it's, it's such a great gimmick of like, Oh, well, what if, what if the an NPC character actually like, you know, uh, conscious of its own. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, um, and you know, then just the approach to the story. Um, like I, I think Ryan Reynolds is a guy that like, um, I, I can take him in small bites. Um, I think he's, you know, he's always great when he comes in with like the the fun cameo and something. But like, free guy, just man, it works. It it works. It's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know much else to say about that. Uh, and then Cruella, for me, it was just like the movie was absolutely gorgeous to look at, and then had yes. just ne- needle drops all throughout that just like propelled you through the movie. Um, Good I needle actually, drops at that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it makes that's why uh, Emma Stone's going to come back and make a new, another Cruella. Like, that's a movie that, like, I think on paper, I, I'm not even sure how Disney was like, yeah, this is going to work. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's a bad villain. But man, like, it worked for me. I have a niece that, like, it's like her favorite movie of the year. It's the one that she's playing on repeat all the time. So, like, it's got that, you know, you know, generational uh, gap that it can cross. And 
man, that those are two just like wasn't expecting them to be fun, and they're just fun as hell. Like, and it's all for those two movies also. Like, I think at different hands, those movies falter, but that, that those are the kind of movies where you're like, okay, they found the right director, and that they you know they steered the ship well. And to your point, I I, I feel I feel like with Free Guy. I, I was sitting here and I'm like, Sean Levy, all right, cool. This is your different project. All right, whatever. But my blinds on. I mean, what you were just saying, and I completely agree. I feel like we're we've we've been saying this since 2016, since Ryan Reynolds has kind of skyrocketed. But when a director knows how to like give Ryan Reynolds a role and he can be himself in, he can do so many great things for you. And i.e., that's what Free Guy was. And Free Guy didn't rem- it kind of and some people are trying to say, dude, it was basically Deadpool. But just as a NPC, I said, I wouldn't even completely completely say that because what's so interesting with at least with Free Guy or just Guy in general, let me just use his character's name, his NPC's character's name. Guy kind of, or Ryan Reynolds was kind of able to propel in certain emotions that I didn't think he could do. You know, I mean, I didn't yeah. think he could get so serious and so romantic as some opponents and then talking to the actual person that created him and bring out those moments that she's like, you know, brought into the guy who created her. And it's just like, wow, this is absolutely beautiful. Ryan Reynolds, I I didn't, I was so mad at myself. I was watching the end of the movie and I'm like, I shouldn't be as invested in Guy as I am. I shouldn't be. I really should not be at this point. And that's how you know storytelling and like great directors did a well job. And that was actually one of my underrated films of the year too. I really enjoyed Free Guy. Now, I don't know if you would agree with me on my next, my second one though. Um, my second one was 1978, Fear Street, 1978. I okay. feel like that's, I feel like that was my favorite out of that trilogy. I don't, I don't know if you've seen all the Fear Street films. Let me ask that first before we go in. Okay. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing the, the, uh, the final one. I haven't watched the final 1666. one. Yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it when you get there. But for me, 1994 was I feel like trying to be like Scream mixed with I Know What You Did Last Summer. It just took a lot of the 90s slasher films and meshed them in together. Not bad. I'm just like, okay, cool, mm-hmm. whatever. Whereas with 1978, I've, I've got a way better feeling out of it. It reminded me of, you know, Camp Crystal Lake, but a Camp Crystal Lake with, um, is it Days and Confused? If I'm thinking about, I believe, yeah, 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 Days and Confused. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. She really knows what she's doing, and for her and for Lady to do all three films and do them consecutively like that, I was like, okay, maybe this is not going to be bad. And she did a really good job. I really enjoyed it. Um, Sadie Sink, I think is her name, or Sadie Sink is her name, the girl from Mad Max in Stranger Things, did a phenomenal job. She can lead. She led this film. Did a very good, decent job about it. Um, everybody else came to play. I. I really liked, I'm not going to lie to you, I liked how they made Tommy the Jason in this film and how unrelenting he was. And that's that was, yeah. I guess, what I really enjoyed about it. Because at least in Friday the 13th films, there's always the counselors. Jason kind didn't really dabble in the kids. He didn't want to talk to, touch the kids as much, except for maybe a movie or two, if I'm remembering correctly. But Tommy said, no, everybody's getting it. Literally everybody's <laughs> getting this axe. And I enjoy when movies like this can go and say, all right, yes, I understand that there are certain tropes that's here, but I'm knocking some of these out and you're going to sit here and enjoy the ride. And I enjoy, I really didn't enjoy it. I didn't 
think I was going to. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought all three of these Free Street, I mean, Fear Street films were going to be mediocre, terrible yeah. at best. But 1978 was a standout. And I said, oh, okay. I didn't. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. All right, cool. So, yeah, those were my two. Um, but overall, what did you think of the first two Fear Street films? No, I, I you know what? I, I think it was just ingenious kind of what Netflix did there. Because for three weeks, like, the horror community, like, was kind of unanimous. Like, mm-hmm. this is really cool. Like, yes. is it is it a miniseries? Like, is this kind of the new TV norm, uh, you know, that's like to be debated <laughs> at, a, at a future day. But like, um, you know, they, I, I just think it was, you know, and again, too, I, I think, I think it, this is Netflix showing some muscle, but kind of like Cruella, man, the soundtracks on those movies are killer, 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 yes. killer. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely like, I, I, I remember starting uh, what the first one, 1994 and being like, all right, I'm gonna get this like 30 minutes and like see if this <laughs> see if this can like win me over. And yeah, like they're they're well made. Um, I remember seeing her um, short or not short film. Her like first indie horror film, I think, it was like Honeymoon, which was like a really kind of gnarly little little fun horror movie. So like she's definitely got the chops. And man, to do to do three movies like that 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 takes some some skill. So like I'm I'm excited for her to maybe get out of having to spend like two years <laughs> three years like just doing doing fear street movies but man the, yeah like i i definitely dug with her too i was gonna say and I, it's pretty interesting to see her in this and as you said i i've heard that she did honeymoon i'm going to go back and watch some of her old horror films because i i think she's doing a, de- a really good job at it my only thing i will tell you with the trilogy is i think and this is just my personal opinion. Audience members might feel some day way different. I think 1666 was better than 70. I mean, it was better than 94. I think even though 94 is, I feel like I said, it's a mashup. It's not terrible, but it is the worst out of the three. 1666 mm-hmm. does something that it kind of really does a really well job that I didn't think a horror movie could do, which again, not going to try to spoil it, but I, I was thoroughly entertained. I, like you said, I, I thought I was going to come in first week. Yep. All right. I wasted an hour and a half on a movie that Netflix is trying to run. Okay. And it delivered on many occasions. Is it the best horror film we've seen this year? No, but it's still a very entertaining movie. And I, I mean, move set of movies that we watched again. Can we argue that it was a mini series, an hour and a half long mini series for each film? We, we can, we, we definitely can, but it, it still was entertaining for me to have a nice little jab to say, oh, slasher movies can still be fun and entertaining. Granted that one of the most highly anticipated slasher films comes out in a couple of weeks. So it was it was pretty, pretty nice to say, hey, we can we know what we're doing still. We still know what mm-hmm. we're doing. And with that in mind, now we're going to go to what didn't work for both of us. Um, <laughs> right. I feel like this year. As much as we just talked about, there's a handful of films that were really enjoyable. I still feel like this year there were a lot more duds than I <laughs> remember. So before we go into the worst movie that I'm going to complain about wholeheartedly because I was so mad at this film. Did you have any disappointing films? Um, any film that you were so hyped about or just disappointed about in general? You're like, OK, I didn't I didn't expect well, this. Yeah, I mean. 
I, I think you, you looked at the slate coming into into 2021 and you're like, man, Tom Holland's about to have himself a year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And instead it's like, man, Tom Holland's had himself kind of a year, dude. Because, uh, man, uh, Chaos Walking and, and Cherry are not good. And it no. starts to question and it's and it really begins like the like is this guy just Peter Parker? Because man, I I know he's like before Peter Parker, he had some he had some movies that were like solid, um, but he was like playing like a kid. Um I I didn't believe a wink of Cherry. Like Cherry just doesn't work and he's insanely miscast in my mind. Um yeah. It it is that is just a dud. Um and then Chaos Walking, like for me, it has some potential there. Like I did like, you know, maybe the lore that we were going to get into. And if, if that would have been a successful movie, I think I would have been there for the franchise, but like right. him and Daisy didn't really have any chemistry together. Um, and again, it's like, he just, just doesn't, he didn't really work in the movie again. Like I, I like, so, you know, he's got Spider-Man, you know, he's going to be great now, but <laughs> Yeah, for me, I was like, I was, you know, I, I, I think there was, there was some, you know, bad buzz. I think with Chaos Walking, just because it, it kept getting delayed. Um, and Doug Lyman sometimes has these productions that kind of go off the rails and and exactly. whatnot. But Doug Lyman is still a great filmmaker with 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 some really great, you know, stuff on his resume, um, and and can can still uh, spin yarn or spin gold out of. Um, the, the chaos but uh walking chaos walking was not that man so yeah tom holland sorry bro <laughs> and i was just gonna say i i hate to say this and this is gonna go with a bigger conversation at another time because i feel like we have enough films for certain people for me to have this thesis what i'm about to mention brett and it's can we talk about the fact that once you're in that mcu money train you try to get out, and if you're a respectable actor, almost eight times out of ten, you're not gonna get a really great film out of that. And I hate to say it, we like I said, this is a bigger topic at a different time. But like what happened with Robert Downey at right after Doolittle? I mean, right after Endgame, he did Doolittle, and I'm like, Robert, what is this? And <laughs> you know, Hugh Jackman with Reminiscence, which uh, that's not a disappointing movie, but it was just. Come on, bro. You did you did a higher education that was phenomenal as an HBO Max independent film. And then you go do this. And I'm just like, bro, I'm questioning your decisions at this point. And same with Tom Holland. I thought Cherry was going to be entertaining. I saw the trailer and I said, oh, OK, I, I can dig that. Just, you know, um, wow, I'm forgetting the movie that he did last year um, with Robert Pattinson that I really did enjoy. Um, Devil All the Time. Uh Devil, Devil all the time. time. And he he was good. It wasn't fantastic. But I was like, okay, all right, Tom, I could see you. You're growing and you're going to grow better. These two movies you just mentioned, I said, you probably want to stick with Spider-Man just a little <laughs> bit longer. And again, I want to have a bigger conversation about how I feel about how MCU actors, just actors in general, how they feel about now. But again, that's a bigger conversation for a different time. How, but And again, I think I would I would agree with Cherry if that was a disappointing movie, but I think and I feel like I'm gonna get some flack. I'm, I, I already feel it coming. I feel like this movie was more of a disappointment than anything else, and I was malignant. I'm not gonna lie oh, to you. I I, man, I 
I still haven't watched Malignant yet, so oh mind, mind no, mind my spoilers. Oh, no. uh, but but I, I'd love to hear this. What because I feel like the horror community was like so uh, so in love with with the bonkersness that is uh, Malignant. So that's the issue, I guess. Is my <laughs> I guess that's my issue is the bonkers of Malignant. I'm not gonna spoil anything. I'm gonna keep it as non-spoiler <laughs> as possible. I feel like again with his performances, the performances were great. The script was average, but again, I, I hate to say this about James Wan films. Most of the horror movies that we've got had, was like an average, above average script, so I didn't expect anything. I guess my issue is, like I said, not trying to spoil anything. My biggest issue with *Malignant* was it was a little far fetched for me. And this is coming from somebody who made the Conjuring franchise, who made Saw, who made Dead Silence. And I've seen almost every James Wan horror film. And this was the one where I was like, yeah, James, you probably went a little too far on this one. You you probably went a little bit farther. And I and again, we're talking about he did Insidious, the same dude who said, hey, you accidentally sleep too far. You get into the, the medium, like you go into the further and demons or spirits could come in and try to take over your body and things like that. We're talking about that and how a woman put souls in her puppets for dead silence. <laughs> and this movie, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but this movie was the one where I said, yeah, I'm sorry, James, I you I, I can't can't get past this moment, bro. I can't. He, he lost and you. He lost me on this one, unfortunately. He really did. I was I was so hyped for Malignant and then watched it and I said, wow. And this is the only close, this is the only thing I'm going to say about it so you can get kind of an understanding of where I'm at. I said, wow, this reminds me of the late 90s, 2000s films where it gets somewhere and then it just, the, the climax or, you know, the climax or the big reveal, you're just, you're so disappointed. You're like, oh, so that's what that was. Okay. All right, James. I'm I'm all right, cool. Cool. It just reminded me of a 90s horror slasher that turned into an action movie at the end and yeah, that's all I'm going to say. But that was my that was my my first dud, my second dud. I I I felt so bad that I'm about to say that this was my dud, but because everybody was so up in arms about it and we've talked about it before. But yeah, my dud was, you know, Justice League, the uh, Snyder Cut's Justice League. I mean, there was so, I guess my biggest issue with that film was there was all this hype built for a year, a little over a year, year and a half of it. And for us to get that four hour movie where it's literally just maybe a 20% better movie than 2017's Justice League, but it's twice as long. Come on, bro. Like that's I don't think that's I don't think that's great. Like you could be better than a two, you could be better than a two and a three. That's cool, but for it to be five, like four hours long, and it's not in my opinion, it's not your greatest film you've ever made, and you built that much hype towards it. Come on, bro. Come on, come on, Jazak. We gotta be better than that. And then for you to go out and talk about, oh, I left and I'm building up a franchise, and then you go do Army of the Dead, which Mm, I, mm, you already know how I feel about Army of the Dead, but it's yep. just—it's it's like Zach. You're—I feel like he—he's—he's he's in on the joke, and we're all like you said when you said when we were in the podcast that B. He's in on the joke, and he's okay with being in on a joke. But as somebody who loved his movies in the beginning, and now is looking at this as he's a parody of himself, Zach. 
please, please, please come back. I, I need <laughs> old Zach Snyder back. <laughs> well, so I mean, that's the. I, I like that you picked these two filmmakers because I do think it's interesting that like James Wan came off of making a you know two hundred fifty dollar two hundred fifty million dollar film that grossed a billion dollars and then made like a small film and I love when filmmakers do that and it just seems right. like Zack Snyder's unwilling to do that right now <laughs> and it's and it might be what he needs like you know like I I think that. Juan doing something like malignant, like probably helps fuel him get through doing another Aquaman movie. Yeah. Um, like those are those are ordeals to do, and like you know you're just working with a huge studio. Like you you know there's not a whole lot of authorship there anymore. Um, and yeah, like I'd love to see Zack Snyder come back and do like a thirty million dollar film. Like, come on, man. <laughs> But you know, he spent like seventy million or whatever it was to finish his cut, and then he made you know a huge, you know, army of the dead movie for Netflix, where you know I'm sure Netflix was like, "How much do you need?" And he's like, "125." 125 million, and you're like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes." I'm like, All yeah. Right. So yeah, and I and I guess that's my issue. And again, we have a lot of great conversation starters that could come out of these conversations, Brent. And you're right. I feel like a lot of these directors that were art house directors, again, we're talking about both Zack Snyder and James Wan. Like you said, they both came from a place where they were make, they didn't have a budget or they didn't have a big budget to grow off of. Um, Saw was maybe what, 10, 10 mil, something like that. Oh, yeah. And Saw, something, like million, so small. Right, <laughs> yeah. something very small. And, you know, Zack did, you know, Night of the Living Dead, and he only got about 20, 30 million to do that from, um, was it Universal? Yeah, it was Universal. And you're you're sitting there wondering, okay, so can we dial that back? James Wan, I don't feel like he was wrong. Again, the horror, I guess I'm, I'm being stingy about my horror at this point because we got so many great horror films in the last couple of years. Uh, above average one, it's just, it's, I'm sorry, I'm not going to eat that up. I'm sorry, I, I just can't. <laughs> we got Hereditary, we got you know, um, get out and all these movies, and you created. And sorry, I'm about to do a mini rant. You created a whole subgenre of horror that literally changed the trajectory of horror in the last decade. You went and did demon movies, and none of us can look at 2010 horror the same because there's so many demon movies that came out that inspired the new version of horror. And for you to do this film, it was just kind of like, okay, all right. I get it. I love it. But please, let's just get a little bit tighter on that. And to your point, I think you need that to get out of your space because you're doing – he's filming – he just got done – no, he's still filming uh, Aquaman 2 right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with that. And, again, Zach, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I agree with you. I feel <laughs> like if he goes back and does a movie for $20, 30000000 which I think is still too high, but that's all Zach is going <laughs> to probably do, and he's going to – and he does a really decent art house film. I feel like he'll get back into the swing of things, but this trajectory that unfortunately the internet has put him on, I don't <laughs> see that happening anytime soon, which is sad to say, but it is what it is. And mm, I'm going to have to ask you about something in a moment, speaking about directors in a moment. It's it's interesting to see that there's he's becoming... Uh, and I, I hate I'm about to say these words. I really do. It, it's interesting to see that he's becoming almost a B plus A director now. 
And it's very interesting to see that he's going to go to, he can, he could almost go, not saying he can, but he can almost go to every studio right now and say, Hey, I want to make a movie. And they're going to probably throw the kitchen sink at him, like everything the kitchen sink at him. And it's kind of sad because you only feel like there's only certain directors who can do that. And I, I just don't like the fact that the internet has gave Zach that much power that he could do that. And it goes in with how we talked about fandom year, uh, a little over a year ago. Do is fandom worth the quality of films we get? And it's, it's an ongoing conversation. I don't know, but he's one of the products where it's like, guys, we, we didn't need to make a, a, a monitor out of him. Like that, this is not the guy I wanted, but I digress. I digress. Um, but with that in mind, before we go into the conversation about my one of our entertaining, I mean, favorite directors of this decade or this generation, at least, let's talk about the worst movie you saw this year. If you have one, it do you well, yeah, do you have a worst movie that you've seen this year? Or you're like, I would never recommend this to anybody. This is literally the worst hour, hour and a half. I mean, hour and a half to two hours, you could definitely watch in the theater or at home. Uh, uh yeah i mean i mean it's always always tough to like call it the worst movie but like i did see this this uh casey affleck film every breath you take um was it really that bad it was it was <laughs> so so bad um it, it was one of those just like where you're like man like did they have like issues with their production and COVID, and that's why the movies just feels like disjointed um it feels like actors are you know acting in different movies like the, the tone's not the same um it's like essentially kind of like a um like like a a psychiatrist wrong somebody and then they want revenge so like there's not like a whole lot to the story also like so it's just you know just kind of one of those forgettable movies where you kind of get like 45 minutes into it and you're like, man, I really kind of just want to log something today. So I guess I'll, <laughs> guess I'll finish this thing. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, like for me, like I gave it like a one and a half star. It's rocking a 2.3 on Letterboxd. And um, yeah, just a, a real, real dud of a film. And it's, you know, and again, too, it's, you know, kind of where's Casey Affleck in his career? Can he bounce back ever again? And kind of when, when is that happening? But this was, whew, it was, this was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Okay. <laughs> it was bad. Duly noted. Duly noted. So I thought about watching that. That was on my, not short list, but it was on my, like, my list in general of films I could watch this year. So if it's that bad and I'm taking your word on it, all right, I will not watch every breath you take. But, oh, Brett, I, all right, I'm not going to lie to you. I was trying to not do two films. I really was trying not to. And I feel like both of these films do deserve the 10 seconds that I'm going to give both of them because they both were just terribly bad. I don't know if you've seen either one, but I, I just, I, I got to tell you, Tom and Jerry. Didn't watch it. <laughs> and The Woman in the Window. Oh, yeah, yeah. De yeah, definitely saw The Woman in the Window, yeah. <laughs> so... All right. And I said it when the trailer came out a year ago for Tom and Jerry, and I'm going to say it again. Tim's story, please stop. I just I just <laughs> need you to stop. Please. Please stop. 
This movie was so bad. I felt like there were five people that all were in completely different movies. And it's it's sad to say that. It, it's really sad to say that. Like, Michael Pena felt like he was in his own movie. Chloe Grace felt like she was the center of the movie. And people were, like, trying to find their only way to do other things. And it was just like, I need you guys to fucking stop. Like, I'm sorry I cussed, <laughs> but I was just that mad. King, like, you, you had a pretty decent cast. Like I said, you had Chloe Marie, you had Michael Pena, you had even though I don't really consider him somebody I would put in an ensemble cast, but you had Colin Jones from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Robert Daly, you had Ken Jong. You had you had a pretty decent cast. And for this movie to be that bad and be one of your first movies that was the same day released on HBO Max was disgusting. You know? And I I I get it. Some of it, the moment, some of the moments that they had with the violence with Tom and Jerry was really good. It was like, oh, this reminds me of the 30s and 40s, Tom and Jerry. But besides that, the movies, the the, the 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 story sucked, acting sucked, the CGI. You can tell like there are certain moments where it just felt unfinished, and you were just sitting there thinking, "Okay, y'all put so much money and time into making Tom's hair look wet while it's raining, but you couldn't make these elephants look anything remotely accurate and look <laughs> like that they're not floating." Cool, cool. And so, yeah, I, I I have to give that movie its justice. Speaking of which, the needle drops. We we talk about needle drops this year. They were really pretty decent. No, Tom and Jerry's needle drops sucked. It was terrible. And the first song was "Can I Kick It?" And I'm thinking, I understand that you have like you're black. And you wanted to put like some needle drops, some some decent music on there. Pick a better song, dude. They're not even <laughs> kicking it. You have Tom and Jerry trying to figure out like life in New York City with Chloe doing whatever she was doing, and the pigeons are singing and rapping the lyrics. It's not even like a cool needle drop. It's like, oh, we're doing <laughs> lip sync while trying to tell you the movie. No, stop, stop it. Um, and so that's I feel like that movie and the woman in the window were probably the worst movies this year. And I Amy, I feel like Amy could have done so much better. I think everybody in this film could have done so much better. And it was just disappointing to have to watch that. I sat there and thought, you know, I'm going to give her a shot. I'm going to give Amy one more shot and see if this works. But no, man. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a movie that was going for Oscars. And now they're avoiding Razzies. <laughs> um uh, I mean, I'm part of the Joe, Joe <laughs> yes. Wright Hive. Like, I love Joe Wright. Like, when he's good, he's one of my favorite, most exciting filmmakers. But, like, when he's bad, he is horrendous. And, yeah, they just – Yes. It is. And, I mean, like, you, you know, you, you felt like Woman in the Window was going to be, like, kind of right with, like, the Gone Girl tradition of just, you know, turning those airport beach novels into, like, you know – Four hundred million dollar grossing films, and uh, yeah, one in the window sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" And then you had so many great actors in it, like Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, Wyatt Russell, which again, coming from Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Anthony Mackie, and she just didn't do shit, like nothing with it. And I'm just like, whatever. All right, I digress, but whatever. And so cool. And with that in mind. We're going into the final quarter. I call it the the last quarter, the last hundred meter dash going into the final year. Are there any films 
as of this recording that are still scheduled to be released this year that you're excited for it if you have two or three absolutely man because we're we're, we're we're hitting oscar season and like yes whereas last year like our oscar season was muted and like the oscar films weren't even coming out in theaters um you know this year like yeah i'm kind of pumped for what we're gonna have oscar season um so like first is like our 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 star knight uh ridley scott is coming out with two dope looking movies that have great trailers cut to them um you know we get the last duel in like two weeks uh couldn't couldn't be more excited for that one um i'm so good like you throw epic and ridley scott like in a trailer i'm there say less (laughs) exactly say less (laughs) um uh and then and then hasaguchi looks like a ball like what we got we got crazy accents going on all over the place we got jared leto who looks like he's finally acting or, or woken up from uh, woken up from his coma <laughs> yes um so yeah i mean I, i'm i'm pumped and i mean ridley popping out two movies within like a month of each other just night shit like i love it um uh the day that we're recording this we just finally got to see the first trailer for licorice pizza uh Give me, give me all of that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So we, so all we know right. what we know what Julian's doing as soon as we finish this recording. Oh, absolutely! Um, I didn't know the trailer dropped. Bet. All right. Bet, 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 yeah. Bet, bet, so, bet, bet. Paul Thomas Anderson can't wait for this. Uh, I'll say less oh. now so that Julian can uh, see this trailer uh, with fresh eyes. Oh. And then the two other ones that again will be competing for Oscars. Um, growing up, suburbs in St. Louis, when a teacher was out sick we watched one movie over and over again i watched this movie probably two handful worth of times uh in middle school high school and that's west side story i'm a west side story geek and i can't wait for steven spielberg's (laughs) adaptation of this um the visuals look great Um, it looks beautiful it it absolutely does i i'm like i love the songs uh I, i i referenced Jets and Sharks all the time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I can't wait for that. Again, another one coming out in theater. And then like my my kind of like indie Oscar movie would be Spencer. Um, I I fall just outside of uh, the Kristen Stewart hive. Like I love Kristen Stewart. I think she's a great actress. I'm excited for a movie that the public, you know, a mass amount of people are going to see. It seems like I think that's a neon movie or maybe a 24. I think you know, it's a, maybe, I think you were right. I think it's a neon film and they're going to market the hell out of this thing. She's going to get nominated for Oscars. Um, and it, it's from the same guy that did uh, Jackie with Natalie Portman, uh, Pablo Lorraine. Um, yeah. Just, just an interesting filmmaker. And I loved kind of the look and feel of, um, uh, of of Jackie and so I'm I'm ready for that equivalent with uh Princess Diana. Um and I haven't watched any of the crown so like it's gonna be pretty fresh for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah so those four films like I expect a lot of Oscar nominations coming from those four films and I'm I'm pumped for them. See okay I figured I figured now the only thing is is what I'm mad about because we're as of time this recording I don't know if the French Dispatch will still come out this year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Draft House is selling tickets for it. It comes out in, like, three weeks. So, perfect. So, to my point, I'm I'm ready for 
Wes Anderson's new version, the first dispatch. I am so excited. Speaking of Anderson's, so I I'm excited for that. I was hyped for it right before COVID because they dropped a trailer for right around COVID time or maybe right during the pandemic, like when quarantine was coming up. And I loved every moment of it. I think, and it's so, and speaking of really quick, I'm going to say, I feel like there's two people who are having like mini renaissance that I didn't expect to have mini renaissance. Keanu Reeves and Timothy Chalamet. Looks, he looks good in the French Dispatch. I just didn't expect him to be, but he looks really good. Francis McDormand is in it. Um, of course, you have all of Wes Anderson's usuals in this film. It looks really good. Yeah. I enjoy it. I'm excited. But also, to your point, when I watched the trailer for The Last Duel, when I was watching The Green Knight, I literally said, when I, when when do I need to buy my ticket? Where, where, when, when, are, when am I going? Because that looks beautiful. Like you said, you got Ridley Scott. You have Adam. Oh, Adam Driver. I think this is Adam Driver's renaissance. We're talking about him in just a moment also. You have Adam Driver, you have um, Matt Damon, and you just have Ridley Scott in the epic. Don't, don't, don't tell me anything else. Just <laughs> let me go buy my ticket. I'll be there. I'll be there very soon. Um, yep. Last night in Soho, Anya Taylor Joy also is phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I, I've, I've, these trailers have hyped me up too much, and I just need to go watch I, it. I, I really do. I, I've, I've seen it. I, I know you have. I, I know, <laughs> and I, I know you. I, I. We, We've talked about it, and I want to watch it for myself. I, I'm really excited for Last Night in Soho. Um, my other two films that I'm really excited for is, like you said, Gucci. I didn't think Lady Gaga, I didn't think having Adam Driver in there was going to just be entertaining as much as it was, but I'm very excited for what I'm going to see with this movie. And, yeah. you know, they basically talk about the, the assassination of him and how Lady Gaga is – and I. We're gonna talk about that. We could talk about her career for a while, but it's just for her career to traject in the way that it did, going from having a small cameo for you know American Horror Story, then going to an Oscar-worthy performance in um oh wow, I just blanked on it. Stars Star Stars Yeah, Stars Born, going from there, and then you're going to do a a biographical, a biopic, and you look fantastic. And like you said, the accents are yeah, I don't know if they're all great, but they're they sound it sounds it sounds good for what I see in the trailer. So I'm I'm ready for it. And like yeah. I said, Denny Villeneuve, I'm I've been waiting for Dune. Anything Denny pulls out, I'm there first weekend. I don't I don't care. Um, you show me that with Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. Don't just tell me when you're dropping movies. I'm there. I'm I'm going to be there. Um. And are you gonna be there? Are you gonna be there in a theater or uh, at home for Dune? <laughs> Dune, I'm going. I'm going to go watch it in a theater somewhere. I'm sorry, Denny. Denny makes how I feel about Christopher Nolan since he's now getting a movie with Universal or his next movie will be with Universal. Same thing with him. Anytime he's making a movie, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not doing your movie. It's justice if I'm watching it on a small screen. No, I'm going to go watch yep. it on a on a big screen in a theater. So Absolutely. I'm definitely definitely doing that with Dune. Um, I don't know how you feel about these two films, but I think just because of all the hype, I have to see what No Way Home looks like. I, I got to see if you know my if William Dafoe is going to be in it. I got to see if Tom Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be in it. I just got to wait to see my Spider Man movies. Love them. I, I have to see that. But my other film that I'm kind of worried about, but I'm still excited to see it. It's Matrix Four or Matrix Resurrections is the name of it now. <laughs> um, I, I he looks like John Wick. 
I mean, it is what it is. Lena yeah. just said, just keep your John Wick uh, face. We're just going to run with that. But from what I can tell, Lena is really working with what she has with the new mod, the new modern technology. From what I mean, her and her sister had about what twenty two years ago. Yeah, they both made that movie in ninety nine. So yeah, the sisters made that in ninety nine, and you're like, oh wow, okay, this is going to be awesome. And so I feel like Lena is really working on the visuals, and she it looks really phenomenal. She's doing a good job. Do I think that the story is going to be there? We'll see. But so far yeah. from what I can tell from the first trailer, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that that matrix trailer kind of landed on the internet, like a bomb, like people were ready for it. They wanted to see it explode. Um, I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic because man, this like, funnels into the this 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 diatribe that i have that like warner brothers knew that they had a bunch of weird movies on their plate and that's why yeah. they did this the strategy <laughs> that they did in the first place which like i think we were at we're coming to the end of this kind of little experiment they did and you know what they had a bunch of weird films and like 70 percent of like them they, were all like uh and it seems like we're about to get like two of the weirdest films on their plate which are happened to be like 200 million dollar blockbusters so <laughs> um yeah i like i don't know if i'm ready for like what i think and what appears to be this very like self-referential version of the matrix like that's what it looks like yes <laughs> but uh you know it's gonna be fun it's certainly gonna be fun it will be i just wish that the sisters got together and did this i don't know what um the other sister is doing now wait isn't she like executive producing a TV show, something like that. She's doing a sci-fi TV show, and Landa, for some reason, said, "I'll do the Matrix without you." Besides yeah. the point, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works out for you. But mm-hmm. all in all, you're right. All right, now looking back at it, at the end of the podcast, I will have to say, Brett, you are right. I think I'm more excited about 2021 and the year it's going to end versus how 2020 ended, where I was like, "Oh, so okay, I just got Nomadland to really watch for the rest of the year." Okay. All right. Yeah, we're going to see how that goes. So now let me ask this as the final question before we head out, Brett. Out of all the films that were supposedly released in 2021, we had a lot of movies. Like I said, we have a lot of good movies that still came out. However, we do have a few movies that are being pushed back till 2022. For instance, we have Top Gun Maverick that got pushed back. We had um, Jackass Forever, which I don't think anybody was going to really watch. But besides the point, got pushed back. We have a couple of other movies that were delayed this year that are being pushed till next year. Is there any film, we can even go all the way back to 2020 that's still being pushed till 2022. Are there any films that you're kind of anticipating that were supposed to be released in these during this COVID season that you're really wanting to watch? Or you're just, you're at the point now where you're like, okay, I'm I'm fine. I'm, I don't really care to watch these movies when they first come out. No, no. So uh, great question. Cause it's it's like unnerving looking at my because again love to make lists so like i have my list of my what you know at the beginning of the year my most anticipated films of the year um looking at my top 10 it is frustrating to look at this and realize like top gun's done that movie is screened for like screen and yes it's it's screened for the uh, cast and crew that that sucker is done, ready to be released, but Paramount has no money, and they need to make sure that you know a 
billion and a half dollars worth of people go see this in the theater. Um, so that's insanely upsetting. On top of that, you know, we were supposed to have Top Gun in the summer, and then mm -hmm. in the winter we were going to get Mission Impossible. Like, mm -hmm. like Tom, Tom Cruise is just holding out the goods on us right now because you know with how long that production of of MI Seven has gone, you would imagine they have a pretty solid cut of it ready to go. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's not ready for release, but yeah, like that one, I'm super upset that we're we're not getting yet. Um, and then kind of on the smaller indie side. Um, Robert Eggers' um, next movie, uh, The Northman. Yeah, there you um, go. I believe he was shooting that in 2020. Um, I think that was supposed to have a late winter release kind of at the beginning of this year. And that's right. been pushed back to 2022. Um, I think, you know, Eggers next to Ari Aster, um, you know, are some of the you know most interesting young filmmakers out there right now. Um, and then... You know, I think there's there's a there's a Taika Waititi movie, uh, Next Goal Wins with Michael Fassbender. That'd be the other one. That's where, like the movie I'm really really waiting on. I you know, agree. I think we're we're like we're we're in a great like soccer boom. I feel like, or you know, maybe it's just an Austin and we got the Austin <laughs> FC now rolling. But like, I do feel like there's 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 more awareness around soccer in the U.S. than there's ever been, and like a Taika Waititi like you know, soccer comedy, like we're ready okay. for it. And it seems like that was, I'm sure that's like done in the can and there's been no word on when that's coming out. So that was another one at the beginning of the year. I was, I was like, Oh yeah, of course, of course, soccer and Taika sign me up. But sign me up. Yeah, those, are the, those are my three big ones right now. For me, I was going to say, I only had to be honest at this point, all these other movies, as we were mentioning, I'm kind of just tired I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I'm just at the point where I'm thinking, okay, the films that I want to see in 2022 are supposed to be slated for 2022. I, well, the Batman was supposed to come out this year, late this year, but it got pushed to next year. So that, maybe that's the only film I was really worried about. Everything else I'm kind of up in the air about, but you're right. The two that I'm really bothered were, were the Tom Cruise films. I, yeah. I, I most recently, and again, audience, sorry in advance. Yes. I just recently watched Top Gun and, I understand <laughs> why everybody loved Tony Scott's film and why it's so good. I really get it now. And so, yes, I'm mad that this movie, I was literally, as soon as I found out that tickets were going to go on sale, I was going to buy that and try to get the Thursday night premiere. But now I, I, I can't, I, I, I unfortunately can't. And so kind of upset about that. And then mission impossible seven. And I think, I don't think we talked about it, Brett, but I, I completely feel like, Mission Impossible has gotten so much better with each entry that has came in. And it's just really mind-boggling that it's on its seventh film. And I'm I'm not fatigued like I am with Fast Fast and Furious franchise. So like true. if you all sad. Right. And it's like if you would have really think if you would have thought, if you would have told me after I watched MI2 right before um before J um JJ Abrams did Mission Impossible 3 that I would see about five more of these and I would have been excited for me. I'm excited. I would have told you, no, this is stupid. We need to stop. But ever since JJ has taken over and showed what Mission Impossible 3 could do, we have great villains. We have seen so much. And I think, I don't know if you agree, Fallout was arguably the best Mission Impossible film. That and um, 
Rogue Nation were both my favorite of these of the Mission Impossible films. I I need more, and I was so excited to see it later this year. Can't happen, and I'm kind of furious. Like you said, it's it it has to be in the can. Both of them are in the can, ready to be released. They probably got to do maybe more, maybe a maybe a little trimming here and there, if that. But it seems like they're done, and Paramount is sitting on them because, unfortunately, Tom Cruise is the only thing that is holding Paramount together at this point. He's he's their movie star, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's upsetting, man. Because yeah, Fallout Fallout was like my favorite movie of that year, um, and yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm more hyped for a new MI movie than I am for a Bond movie at this point. Yes, I completely agree. And coming from somebody who loved all the Bond movies, unfortunately, also Die Another Day. Okay, I know who I was. Sorry, I love Die Another Day. But, you know, I'm I'm more excited about Mission Impossible 7 than I am with No Time to Die, which is saying a lot. So I agree with that. But with all in all, that's a pretty good list, sir. I I, yeah. I thought we were going to have more accumulating ones, but I, I, I felt like we all had the same ones. So I, I had to... With some of the disappointing films, I had to <laughs> randomize it just a little bit because I feel like we both have the same taste in film. So I just want to say thank you for coming on, Brett. Um, always enjoy you coming in. Now I have to ask, man, are you having are you are you anticipating any other films? You you're doing Fantastic Fest right now, correct? As of the time yeah. it is recording. All right. Yeah. So I. No, Halloween Kills isn't going to be in it. I'm kind of disappointed about that, but that's a whole different thing. But how are you liking it? Oh, go ahead. Well, oh, no, yeah. So, I mean, the festival's different this year. Uh, it's it's smaller, a little bit more quaint, but, you know, still the good energy. Um, also, too, it's interesting where, like, always the fun thing with the Fantastic Fest screening is regardless of the quality of the film, it's a packed house every packed time, house pretty much. Yeah. But like right now, the draft house and because of Texas, we're doing uh, buffer seatings between parties. So, you know, the theaters are like 60% full. So there's just not that same post film energy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I saw uh, Tatane, which I, I absolutely loved. Um, last night in Soho was just this different vibe from, from Edgar Wright than, than we've gotten before. And I absolutely loved it. And he's got two leading actresses in there that are just the future um, of the industry. And then I do have a secret screening on Tuesday that I'm, you know, I think could be Dune, could be Halloween. Um, you know, I think I forgot one of my, the movies that I, I that is, um, was like kind of maybe going to be a 2021 release, but is pushed back to 2022. Uh, and that's the next Scream. Um, <gasps> And that movie's yes. that movie's like done. That movie's it's done. I'm pretty sure that yes. I'm pretty sure that movie's done. I don't think they screen that for Fantastic Fest, but um, that would be fun. That my could be a cool is, one. Probably, yeah, my guess is is probably like I'm probably seeing Halloween Kills tomorrow, um, which I'd be more than happy to watch that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been different. Uh, hopefully. 2022 maybe we got we got the daily covid pills so we're all we're all good to go and uh uh you, you'll be you'll be joining me next year or else man. definitely like you, you're, you're coming to the fest next year and it'll be it'll be fun and, and raucous 
and I appreciate that. I'm definitely coming 2022. That that's that's yeah. neither here or there. I'll be there in 2022. <laughs> but with on that, thank you again, Brett. I really appreciate it. If you want to tell the people if what you got going on for the remaining of the year or not, you do not have any socials, so no, we no, he does <laughs> hey, not have socials. Hey man, I, I got I got the I got, got the one social that matters. Yes. Find yes. me every goddamn day on Letterbox, man. Making <laughs> lists, uh, logging everything I see on there. So yeah, man. It's it's the it's the only social man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'm gonna give you that one. So again, Brett, thank you for tuning in. Thank you guys, and we'll catch you guys next week.